Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy Podcast. I'm Dave and I'm your host. You join me here once again for a tragic podcast. Now we're up in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Fringe and we're releasing a podcast every day. And we wouldn't be here in Edinburgh without the support of the people who came to see our live shows in London and the people who've been so kind with their donations during our Indiegogo campaign. We really are so incredibly grateful for the services they have given to tragedy and the services that they have given to us. We are only here really because of your support and we want to just say a thank you to you now. And it's not just those people, we've also had the support of the artists who've come to perform for us, taking their material, making it tragic or showcasing the tragedy that they already had. Many of them have come back again and again and we're really pleased about that. We want to be a safe space where artists from all walks of the creative world can come and mix together and do something new and vital and exciting and we seem to be getting that kind of a feel and we're really pleased about that. Timandra Harkness is a regular stand-up tragedy performer and she's in Edinburgh with her show Brain Sex. So we just had to get her back on the stand-up tragedy stage as well. I must admit, I feel a bit of a fraud here because I, I, don't, I don't feel that I'm very tragic. Uh, I, I'm quite a cheerful person. Only the average number of bad things have ever happened to me. Uh, I'm, so I'm, I, I know why I was, I was first invited to be on at um, stand-up tragedy because I was doing a show that was entirely about death. But even that turned out to be more cheerful than we expected. It turned out that you're quite unlikely to die of anything. Uh, We're all living longer and longer. We're all living so much longer that in the hour of your lives you've decided to devote to being in this room, your life expectancy will have gone up by something like 12 minutes. I know, I know. You may well look astonished. The average life expectancy in the UK goes up by about 12 minutes an hour. So in the hour of your life, you've decided to waste in this room. You've actually only wasted 48 minutes, in effect, because you get 12 free minutes back. It's fantastic. One in six of us apparently are going to live to be 100. So that's, that's, well, two or three people in the audience. Sadly, there's no way of knowing which. It's a pity, because you don't know which millionaire to marry without being confident um, that he's going to outlive you, which is clearly not the idea at all. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm a bit of a fraud, in short, uh, but I'll, I'll do what I can. Did anyone go on the Ginger Pride March today? Was it Ginger Pride March in Edinburgh? No, no, you didn't know, but no, I didn't know about it either. I, you know, I would have gone. I'm not, I'm not a natural ginger, obviously, but the way I look at it, some are born ginger, some achieve gingerness. <laughs> Some get two-thirds of the way through an analogy and wish they hadn't started. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and the other thing that concerns me in Edinburgh is these signs everywhere saying Eden... Who, who here actually lives in Edinburgh? Anybody? Just, yes. Good, OK. So maybe you know this. There's these signs everywhere saying Edinburgh. Edinburgh, like the Garden of Eden. Kind of saying we should make... Well, you guys, because you live here, should make Edinburgh more like the Garden of Eden. And I can't help, do you really want, Scottish people, do you really want your capital city to be modelled on a mythical garden in which there were no libraries, no schools, no democracy, just two naked people hiding in the bushes and a talking snake? Yeah? No, no. I mean, at best, it's a post-apocalyptic 
science fiction film made by Walt Disney. But uh, it's up to you. It's your city. You do what you like with it. Uh, okay, so what was I thinking? Um, so I do stuff about science. Uh, it's completely accidental, but I know I do comedy about science, which is great because you get the best heckles. You get the best. My previous Edinburgh heckles include, uh, which year are you taking your data from? <laughs> and uh, couldn't that be accounted for by people losing weight during a long illness? <laughs> to which the only possible heckle put down is they controlled for that so it's, I know it's great it's great um, but I do think you know a lot of people say you have to bring scientific scepticism <laughs> if you feel free to couldn't explain that later or I'll give you a citation whichever uh, but you have to bring scepticism to science as well I think because you read a lot of these studies it's very tempting to read a study in the paper and go oh yes well this is this is great this is marvellous there was one last year um, people who eat chocolate every day are less likely to be overweight than people who don't eat chocolate every day yeah obviously so, yeah sounds good and you think it's quite possible there is some chemical in chocolate that would somehow prevent you putting on weight also possible that if you're feeling a little bit chubby and a nosy researcher asks you do you eat chocolate every day you're more likely to say no <laughs> <laughs> could just be that just putting it out there uh, another, another great one last year was uh, scientists find scientists have done research finds uh, ice cream is as addictive as cocaine first question yeah yeah first question where do they do this research and how do I sign up <laughs> obviously uh, but I, I imagine it's one of those things they put in a brain scanner I don't know uh, but again <laughs> in, in experimental conditions that may be so but in the real world I can think of a few differences between the substances ice cream and cocaine uh, no one ever broke into my car to get money to buy ice cream <laughs> Nobody ever smuggled five kilos of ice cream into the country by swallowing it in a condom. And if they did, I would not buy it. And of the two substances, only one is socially acceptable when you're making your neighbour's kids a Coke float. It turns out it's not the one the name suggests. I always have this effect about this time, five minutes in, a man always wants to urinate. At least this time it's only comedy, hey. <laughs> but I did read some recent new research, it's only a couple of days old, which is close to my heart uh, because it's about alcohol. I don't know if anyone in this room has ever had alcohol. <laughs> I'm guessing one or two of you have. Uh, so this, is, uh, this was done in Newcastle and Sunderland universities into drinking habits of older people, by which they mean... I actually made some notes from the paper. I'm sorry I didn't print out the entire paper. I haven't got a printer here. I can only apologise. My lack of rigour. So people aged 65 to 90, they did some, some studies of their drinking habits. They were worried they were drinking too much. Put this in context, uh, with The Death Show, we did a lot of research into the health effects of alcohol. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, the more alcohol you drink, the more likely you are to die. No, I'm afraid that's good news as well. Sorry, I'm, I'm doing really badly with the tragedy, aren't I? It's <laughs> just good news because actually, if you do drink alcohol, you are something like a quarter or a third less likely to die than if you don't drink. I know, I know. Thank you. Astonished woman on the front row. Your face is marvellous. It's like a, I can't believe that could possibly be true face. 
It's fantastic. Whereas Drumman, the third row, is going, see, I knew I was right. Uh, yeah, it's because, it's because alcohol has a protective effect on your heart and your circulation, and that's the most likely thing to kill you. Um, the, key, <laughs> the key thing to remember is it's moderate drinking that's really good for you. Uh, basically, if you mention it as a graph, um, I'm not used, frankly, to having a stage without a whiteboard. If you mention it as a graph, if this is kind of, if this is where teetotalers are in terms of likelihood to die, then people who drink a bit of alcohol are kind of down here. So remember that, that's a bit, B for a bit. Uh, whereas if you drink what you might metrically call a gigabit, <laughs> the graph goes up again, or in imperial measures, a George Best. Uh, then you're more likely to die, because not only does your liver pack in, and then you become more likely to have a heart attack, but um, also you're more likely to get involved in an accident, even if you don't drink and drive. Most pedestrians who get run over at night are found to be drunk. Uh, so, 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 that's, so remember that, you should drink a bit, not a gig a bit. Although I like to think that over a population, it averages out, because every year, a certain number of people are killed in alcohol-related accidents. But a certain number of people are caused by alcohol-related accidents. <laughs> <laughs> so it swings around about. Yeah, there's a couple of guys in the third row about to go out and cause that kind of accident, given half a chance later on if they don't fall asleep first. Uh, so, so, but with this in mind, I thought we should have a little look at what the uh, what they found with these old people. Uh, bear in mind these are 65 to 90. Many older people are drinking to a level that's having a long-term impact on their health. How long term exactly? <laughs> I mean, yes, true. One in six of us are going to live to be 100. So one in six of the 90-year-olds have got another 10 years to think about. But you can't help feeling that by the time you're 65, maybe you'd like to trade off a few minutes of increased life expectancy against having a good time. Never mind when you're 90. You also like to think by the time you're 65, you might know what you want to do. Apparently not. Uh, one, woman, one woman drank a bottle of wine a day. She said it didn't have a big impact on her. She's retired. I mean, does it matter if she's half cut every afternoon? Really, who cares? Uh, and then, amazing, astonishing findings. It's a good job we pay for this research. Uh, older people saw drinking alcohol as a positive way to relax and to be sociable with friends and family. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought that's why people drink? Good heavens! <laughs> also, chronic pain, loneliness and bereavement were likely to lead to heavier drinking in later life. Well, you don't say. <laughs> you're in pain, you're lonely, you're sad, maybe you have a drink. No, stop them, stop them, say the health campaigners. They're going to eke out those extra minutes of life expectancy. Man in third row now looking truly horrified. You may well look truly horrified, uh, especially if you live in Scotland, because obviously, as we know, Scotland leads the way in terms of protecting people from themselves. <laughs> Drinking, smoking, all of that, you lead the way. Uh, so, uh, so finally, just to, to wind up, I know my, my time is nearly up. Uh, why do we drink? We drink to be sociable. And uh, just to put this again in perspective, uh, a, little, a little health tip. Um, need a, 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 a man as an example, so a drunk man on the end of the third row. Half drunk. Half drunk. <laughs> yeah, it depends where you set your standard. Good, okay, so uh, as an example, do you smoke, sir? What's your name? Yes. Yes, you smoke like a chimney. Uh, see, that's bad. That's bad for your health. What's your Hello. name, fella? My name's Scott. Scott, how apt. Uh, <laughs> smoking's bad for you. By smoking, you're increasing your chance of dying in the next seven years by 5%. <gasps> Horrified woman on the front row. 
I think I'm just, I wish I had a mirror here so everyone else could just see your face. But are you, are you single, Scott? No, that's... Person, oh. Well, that's good. That's... Well, that, sorry. But that's good news for your health, Scott. Because if you were single, your chance of dying in the next seven years would go up by 6%. So you're actually saving... It, you're, you're basically compensating for all the health risks of smoking by being with him. And my, my, so what they should do is they should close down all the non-smoking clinics and open up singles bars. And my interest in this is altruistic because for women the figures are different. See, I don't smoke. If I smoked, my chance of dying in the next seven years would go up by 6%. But by being single, I'm only increasing my risk of death by 3%. What that means is if I wanted to start smoking, it wouldn't be enough for me to just get married to cancel out the effect. I'd have to commit bigamy. <laughs> just for health reasons. <laughs> okay, that's my talk. Timandra combines science and comedy and observation. She mixes them all together into a frothy brew of fantastic performance. Run over to www.brainsexcomedy.com to find out more about the show she's doing here in Edinburgh at the moment. It's been highly recommended by members of the Stand Up Tragedy team and I hope to make it before we leave this fair city. It's all about trying to find the secret behind why men and women's brains function differently. And I'm delighted to say, whilst it's a one-woman show, she isn't the only person involved. She has a co-star. She has a co-star that is a rat. Timandra told our producer, Bryony, more about brain sex and the tragedies of science. So I'm doing a show called Brain Sex, which is about brain science and sex, but in the sense of gender, not as in nobody has sex on stage, which is probably good because it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, so nobody really needs that. that well... Anyway, not on stage. Uh, I digress. So yeah, so it's a show about brain science and gender. So are men's brains different from women's brains? We look at a bit of brain science, a bit of psychology. Uh, there's a live rat. There's a piece of experimental equipment uh, which gets used either on the audience or me, depending on what happens. Uh, obviously some jokes, uh, a song. There were two songs, but we had to cut one because the show was too long. What tragedies are revealed about brains and sex then? Well, the main tragedy, I think, is that brain science is not as clear-cut as I hoped. I kind of went into the show thinking, right, let's get some definite answers, let's get some science, let's get some graphs, let's pin some things down. And I'm working with a brain scientist, Martin Coth from Plymouth University, and got him into rehearsals to explain the truth behind things and he just kept saying well the true answer to that is nobody really knows so that, that's probably the most tragic part of the show is that if you're looking to brain science for some good clear-cut answers to explain human behavior you're going to be disappointed I tend to find science quite cheering because even though often it doesn't give you a definite answer I like to think that it's all part of the great human project of finding things out and a bit of curiosity and a bit of organised curiosity I think is a good thing. And obviously a lot of science sets out to find something and then doesn't really. And then sometimes you read research papers and go, yeah, you were pretty desperate to get something published here, weren't you? Because this doesn't really show anything that groundbreaking. But uh, 
No, on the whole, I, f- I find science a cheering thing because even if you don't get answers, at least people are out there asking questions. Check her out at www.timandraharkness.com or follow her on Twitter at Timandra Harkness. And go and see her show if you're in Edinburgh and go and see her show when it comes into your town if you live somewhere else. Stand on tragedy. So the beauty of the Free Fringe is that it's also an outlet for new performers to try standing up on stage in front of an audience for the first time or one of the first times. And Stand Up Tragedy really encourages this. And we love to give new slots to new acts and see what they can do to nurture performance as well as showcase performance. And we were really pleased to have Nina Gray along with us to perform some tragedy. Nina makes a podcast called I Don't Get, and you can find out more about that uh, on her SoundCloud page. Her name is Nina Gray with an A, so that's how you can find that. And she's been recording some of her podcasts with the Stand Up Tragedy team while she's been here in Edinburgh. So keep an eye out and you'll hear my voice and the voice of Liz, my co-producer, and maybe other voices. I'm not sure how many of us Nina managed to gather while she was here. You can find her on Twitter at G-O-U-R-E-N-I-N-A. And she also is doing a really exciting project, which is she read a story from at Stand Up Tragedy. You can find it at www.52stories.tumblr.com. Now that's the word 50 and the number 2, followed by stories.tumblr.com. And she's basically writing a different story every week of the year and she shared one of them with us at Stand Up Tragedy. She really took on board the themes and inspiration behind Stand Up Tragedy and what we're trying to achieve here and she discussed this with our producer Bryony. Hi um, I'm Nina I do writing and podcasting and occasionally sculpting snow. What do you think of the idea of performing tragedy not comedy? I think it's braver because you don't get an immediate reaction from the audience. Comedy's nice because if it's going well, you can just, you know, you get an immediate reaction, whereas you're kind of left hanging up there on your own. And I think you can say some very important things very revealingly. I, I, the, the thing I'm doing tonight, I would never make a joke about, but I think you can make art about things. Some things aren't funny. That's a really good point. That's a really good point for what it must feel like. And yeah, what's it like to share your, not only your ideas, but then revealing emotions on stage? I don't know, because I haven't done it very much. And I haven't done it yet tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I feel like it's a vulnerable thing to do. But I'm kind of like that in life. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm... It's doing a thing that I usually do with one person and doing it to a group of people. Um, And I don't know how it's going to go. I'm worried I'm going to leave people feeling very, very miserable. But that's the point. (laughs) Is it kind of a new way to explore ways of dealing with tragedy for you? Um, No, this isn't isn't my tragedy. Um, It's based on other people's tragedies that I experience through um, some volunteer work that I do. Uh, I suppose anybody who works with that is a kind of 
collateral damage to the primary damage that's done to the victims. This is going to make a lot more sense when you know what I'm doing, but um, <laughs> you should put this in after. <laughs> um, well, um, okay, potentially, do you think it could be a new way of dealing yeah, with Yeah, I think comedians have a long history of using comedy to deal with their trauma, and I think this is a new way of doing it. I, I don't know which is healthier, actually, because comedy kind of glosses over it and makes it like it wasn't important if it was whereas tragedy kind of gives it the respect that it might deserve mm. I know what you mean. do you tend to what do you draw your inspiration from when you write or when you, um, when, you write cars, I guess, when, you when I write I steal everybody's life who I know <laughs> Like, if you recognise yourself in something I've written, you're probably right. It's probably you. So you're <laughs> it won't just be you, but... Yeah. Do you observe quite a lot of tragedy around I know a lot of sad people. <laughs> so I suppose in that way, yeah. I don't think I've got a particularly sad sample of people. I just think tragedy happens to everyone. It's such a common experience. And it's a common experience to hide it as well. But I, I don't... I think that's sometimes a good thing to do, but I don't think it usually is. How about... I know this is your first Fringe. Yes. And you've been here how many days? One. <laughs> so, I've been here, so you've been here for one day, one Fringe. How has it struck you so far as a place for sharing stories and ideas? It's really intense. It's really, really intense. And everybody's clamouring for your attention. Everyone wants to be seen. And in a way, I think that's very... Um, that's really open to sort of everybody dipping into each other's stories because everybody is basically just screaming at you and everybody has something to say and you can just take stuff, which I suspect I will. Yeah, I think it's amazing just how many bizarre ideas there are in the world. It's a really good place to showcase them or see a selection of them. Yeah. My favourite thing so far has been walking into an act and going... Well, I didn't expect to see that today, and I'll probably never <laughs> see, it, like, see anything like it again. Yeah. yeah. What are you looking forward to on the Fringe? Um, I've just seen my friend's show, um, Shurston Luckin's show, and I was looking forward to that, and I've just seen that. I hadn't planned to see it with you guys, but I was going to see it at some point. Um, Lucky you saw it today, because it was the last one, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought I would go, and then you lot said you were going, I thought, yes, actually, I was going to go. But... um. I've seen her, I think, I haven't decided whether I want to pay for stuff, because I can, but I don't know if I want to on principle. You should be selective, that's what I'm going yeah. for. So I don't know, I'm going to pick up a guide, I think, because I don't know what's going on, because my phone's not working and I haven't got my iPod and I haven't got my computer, I have no idea. What so that's what Nina thought of her performance. We'd love to hear what you think of any of our performers here at the Free Fringe or any time that we're Stand Up Tragedy is doing a performance. So you can tweet us at Stand Up For Tragedy, that's the number four, or you can find us on Facebook, friend us on Facebook, like us on Facebook, all of that stuff. And our podcast goes out on iTunes, SoundCloud and the Stitcher Smart Radio app. So find us there and share your tragedies with us. We really want to hear them. You can find them, share them by using the hashtag Tragic Moment and we will see them share them and enjoy them go to our website for more details about our performers and our shows it's www.standuptragedy.co.uk remember a tragedy is always best shared and for now the tragedy
This podcast was produced by Bryony Hawkins with audio production from Stephen Harvey. The music comes from Sam Wilkinson, who you can email at radiohuan at gmail.com. The rest of the music was produced by George Brufton, written by the reactionaries with added bagpipes from Vaughan Grandin. I'm Dave, I'm your host, and the tragedy is once again over.